Hey everyone, just wanted to talk to you about a new project that I'm working on which is called S-Cube SmartEye. So this is an electronic quality management system software that will help you manage all your company documentation. So S-Cube SmartEye is an EQMS specialized for medical device companies. If you are fed up of your paper management system or even if you are not happy of using Google Drive, SharePoint or any other software because they are not adapted to your business, then give a try with S-Cube SmartEye. So visit scube-technologies.com. So scube-technologies.com. If you want, you can also go on the show notes of this episode and you'll find it. Thank you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll talk about the Blue Guide. So it's a specific guide that is uh, used not only for medical devices, for, but for a CE Mark product, but it can impact also medical devices. And I have with me Eric Volbrecht, our preferred lawyer, who will talk about that with us. So Eric, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Hello, thanks for having me again. Right. So Eric, uh, you have uh, studied a lot this blue guide. We saw a lot of posts. Uh, you have made also a blog that we uh, people can can uh, find again on the on the show notes. So um, maybe first to start this uh, this uh, discussion, can we remind to people what is the blue guide and is it superior to the medical device regulation or is it at the same level? What is exactly the hierarchy of all those documents here? Ah, good question. Yeah, it's uh, the blue guide is guidance. So that means that it's uh, basically uh, it is supposed to help you interpret legislation um, pursuant to the European uh, NLF framework. So the new legislative framework on goods. So it's basically you could say a one size fits all a piece of guidance that can help you understand the underlying principles that are common to all uh, regulations and directives that regulate CE marked products, basically, to, to summarize it. So basically what, uh, so that, that would apply to medical devices, to IVDs, but also to cable lifts, uh, pressure vessels, pleasure craft, uh, Toys, camera, toys, ca yeah, exactly, uh, all that stuff. So, and that that has the consequence that in the end, yeah, it's guidance. Eh? So, guidance is something that you can never uh, can never supersede legislation, but you yeah. can help it. It can help you to understand what the legislation might um, uh, actually intend in a particular case. And also, I think it's it's an important point to start with. Because in my work, I often deal with regulatory people that sort of see the blue guide as the gospel. Yeah. And they could be working at either notified bodies or, or manufacturers, but they tend to point to the blue guide as the blue guide says this, so therefore this is it. And that's really not the way it works. Uh, basically, you should do it the other way around. You should look in the legislation, see if the legislation provides for a solution 
And if it doesn't, then you can look at the blue guide, but also always keep in mind that the blue guide is one size fits all. So it may, so it may occur, for example, that uh, uh, that specific legislation for a specific product has a particular solution for a particular problem that is addressed in the blue guide. And if you then look at the blue guide alone, then you might think, okay, this is how it works and then forget to look in the law. Yeah, for example, a, a really specific thing is Article 6 in the MDR and the IVDR, the distance sale provision, yeah. which also has a uh, uh, also has an article for providing uh, a device as a service at a distance. It's a bit different in the MDR and the IVDR because the MDR really uh, aims at the situation where you basically are running software off of a server outside of the uh, e outside of the union and then provide it into the union as a service. Yeah. And the IVDR uh, is really concerned with uh, sending samples to a place outside of the union where they are tested on an assay that has never been placed on the market. So yeah, I mean these these are scenarios that are discussed in the blue guide, but the MDR and the IVDR have a specific rule for it, which then always will supersede what the blue guide says. So that's very important. And also it's quite important, I think, to, um, to understand that the blue guide, it's a really big piece of text. That's uh, it's about 175 pages of text, which- Same as it, MDR. <laughs> yeah. Them size. Like, it's a good point, almost same size as the MDR itself. So, uh, but it also means that it's translated in 24 languages. And, that and, and for European purposes, each of these languages has equal legal validity. So it can also happen that, for example, when you think like, uh, hey, this is a weird position that the blue guide is taking in the language in which I am reading it, that's very helpful to also look at other languages of the blue guide. And if you speak only one language, then yeah, I think it's, uh, well, maybe uh, maybe that could be uh, a stimulus to also learn another because uh, it's something I've been ranting about a lot on my blog as well, the, the really weird uh, difference between how placing on the market is described in the English version of the, uh, the blue guide and some other language versions as well, like the Spanish, for example compared to how it is described in the French and the German version yep. and the other versions. So then you've got a blue guy that contradicts itself and you can only find that out if you speak more than one language. So just speaking one language, there's absolutely no excuse for it, I think. And, and also makes you less effective as a regulatory professional, I would say. So no, it's, it's more yeah. languages, people. It's really important. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there are a lot of people that relate to that and that maybe had also this experience of reading in two different languages and see it's not saying exactly the same thing. But uh, but I think what is important and what you've said is first read the UMDR or IVDR. And then if you need more precision, you can go to the blue guide because it's true. I've done it myself. It's some, when we talk about, for example, placing on the market or making available or this kind of thing, when you go to the blue guide, it gives you more detail or some examples or what is not placing on market or what is not making available, et cetera. So which can help you uh, a lot also. Um, so does, so this, the first version of the blue guide, if I remember was 2016. And I make one more remark, yeah. remark there, because uh, especially if you're talking about guidance on the new legislative framework of products, 
the blue guide is not the only guidance out there. Also very important because uh, uh, for the specific directives and the specific regulations, there are, is also a lot of additional guidance that also discusses concepts that are discussed in the blue guide. So let's say, for example, there is a fantastic piece of guidance about the machinery directive. Yeah. Let's say I'm working with the MDR. I have a big medical device that is also in scope of the machinery directive. Then the, the, the medical devices directive says, okay, MDR applies, except for the additional hazards that uh, the MDR does not uh, cover, but the machinery directive does cover. So then you also have to look at the machinery directive means that you don't only look at NDCG guidance, but also at machinery directive guidance, perhaps. Both are covered by the blue guide. And then, yeah, then, then it gets quite complicated uh, very quickly. So you'll have to, it, you may be in a situation where you'll have to look at multiple pieces of guidance as well, which in turn also might be inconsistent with each other or contradict each other. Yeah. This is the this is the 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 beauty, if I can say, of legislation when they are not talking really the same language or using a, a bit of different things. Then it's a nightmare for the one that is using that, or also for the authorities or for the notified bodies that are interpreting in one way and you in another way. So it's like, uh, yeah, making mm -hmm. it really difficult. Um, we have now the 2000. Uh, the we'd have the previous version. I think it was 2016, if I remember. Um, the new one, 2022. So we have some changes that were appearing on the blue guide now. So are those changes really like completely changing the game for medical device manufacturers or it's just slight updates or slight precision uh, of that? In some cases, uh, I, I, I would say uh, big changes, but that's, the, that's regarding geographic scope, right? So that's Brexit. We don't have... Uh, the UK anymore as a, a union member state. So, but we still have Northern Ireland in which uh, union new legislative framework legislation applies. So a lot of people don't know that, but the UK has a pretty uh, fascinating uh, uh, constitution. So at the moment, for example, in Great Britain, which is basically the UK minus Northern Ireland, this is where uh, uh, European law doesn't apply anymore. But Northern Ireland is a place where union law still applies. So the MDR and the IVDR still apply in Northern Ireland, which leads to a really crazy situation in, in a sense. But this was the solution taken upon Brexit to make sure that the Irish would not uh, start fighting again with each other again uh, within Northern Ireland. and. <laughs> A lot of people don't often don't understand the solution, but this is this is basically the political thing about it. And the Brits were on board with that as a, uh, at the time when it was negotiated. But now they want to get rid of it because, of course, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's also not super convenient to be partially in the union and mostly out of the union. So uh, these these are things that if you don't understand the news on these particular issues. It actually helps to read the blue guide because it explains this kind of stuff in a lot of detail. Same thing with Switzerland. Yeah. And it, was, it was surprising because Switzerland, um, I, I was thinking to see clearly what's happening in Switzerland, etc. But it was not 
so clear, if I can say. Right. No, that's, but that's again, that's where you see that, that the blue guide is a one size fits all uh, document. So that means that they did not apparently, probably the commission thought it was a bit politically sensitive to discover how everything with the MRAs for uh, medical devices and IVDs went down. Because that was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the, the commission has tried to negotiate and even offer the Swiss a kind of additional transitional regime on the, uh, on the, uh, 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 on the MRA expiring, but the Swiss didn't want it. So yeah, then basically they said, okay, well, bye, then uh, we are going to push, we continue to push you out of the uh, internal market, one expiring, MRA at a time, but that's of course politically kind of controversial. So they will never put that in the blue guide, but that's what happened for medical devices. Yeah. And, and, uh, and other, and other products as well, yeah, because uh, mutual recognition of stock trading expired some time ago, uh, other, other MRAs are also up. So until the Swiss say, well, uh, we want to revisit the comprehensive package that they actually negotiated over 2014 to 2019, yeah, the EU is going to say, okay, well then have it your way. If you don't want to be part of the internal market, then you're not part of the internal market and we will push you out one MRA at a time. Yeah. So we'll see if I can say how, how it is uh, going, but uh, there is no, I mean, I didn't hear any official um, conclusion of, of this, if I can say from on the day negotiation between the European Union and, and Switzerland and um, the, the, because we have a lot of questions from people because at the beginning we were saying, oh, they are negotiating. So maybe soon they will sign the MRA and then we'll stop this um, thing about importer and authorized representative in Switzerland and importer and authorized representative in Europe for Swiss um, market. But apparently it's not maybe going to, to be negotiated at all. Yeah, I don't know. What I see in the Swiss news is that there is outrage about the situation with medical devices, which I understand because yeah. it's, of course, it's, 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 it's not a nice situation for, for Switzerland as a small country to be in. But on the other hand, what I don't see is a political push to say, well, uh, maybe we should just uh, think a bit more about how we relate to the European Union, because the European Union has said, look, the uh, the internal market is not a smorgasbord where you can pick the things that you like and sort of leave the things that you don't like. Either you're in all the way or you're out all the way. So we need to decide what we want as Switzerland. Do we want to be out all the way or do we want to be in all the way? Or do we want to be continuously on the fence being pushed out one mutual recognition agreement at the time which is also, uh, yeah, that's basically where they are. Yeah. I think that the politicians are, yeah, one way or the other, they, they don't feel comfortable um, telling the population these, these options are on the table. Because I, don't, I think actually that, that under the current Swiss political climate, it might well be if they put this to the population and say, do you want to be in or out of Europe then, uh, or did the European internal market, they would probably say out. I agree. <laughs> so like the, it's, it's, dangerous. it's like the Brexit that uh, happened in the UK, but yeah. for Swiss. So <laughs> it's the, problem, the problem is that there are never good arguments that are used because it's, it's a populist game. I mean, because economists can do the math here and say, look, there is an enormous net benefit of being part of the union. 
that's true for the UK. It's true for Switzerland. But then again, I mean, this is this is politics and not uh, exact science. And yeah, I mean, for politics, you don't need a diploma. And for voting, you don't need a diploma either. So exactly. this is that's basically just... Uh, exactly. Yeah. So um, in terms of the Blue Guide, so the other changes, um, we have uh, some chapters that were increased, mm -hmm. some chapters that were where there is uh, included some elements. So um, first, that what I have not, so I noted a few of the chapters. So the first one is the software. So initially we had just one sentence about software. Now it's like a big chapter, uh, which says that software is really a major thing now within our countries, etc. Oh, so Oh, I, I never noticed. <laughs> but it's not, sorry. I never noticed software is important. No, sorry. No, I was it's, 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 what is say, it's what is said <laughs> on the thing. So I was like, that's, that's why I read this and I was like, oh, European Commission, is that true? Is software suddenly very important? Or the... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, the first sentence is like that. So software is really important, etc. I say, what? Well, okay, great. So, But it, it was is there any new thing there or it's... I'm... No. No, because I mean, uh, under the MDR and the IVDR, we're doing really sophisticated things already with software. So yeah, no, there's uh, basically there's there's nothing new there. The only only interesting thing I think about the the software paragraph is where they link changes to software, software updates, also yeah. software patches to maintenance and repair. So basically they're making a little bridge where they say the principles that apply to hardware maintenance and repair also apply to software maintenance and repair. So boomers like me can still understand it. Yeah, basically. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, the, and there is now also a chapter on soft um, repair and maintenance. So um, what what is mainly the difference here also on this one? Yeah, there that's, that's, that's also something that was already addressed in the old blue guides. But I think the, the, the new part is that they added quite a lot of language on responsibility of third-party repair okay. companies and also the responsibility of the user itself when the user either themselves repair uh, a product or, uh, or, or have it repaired externally. And the blue guide puts a lot of emphasis on the responsibility of the third parties uh, and of the user to also um, make sure that the repaired product remains within CE Mart specifications, which is, of course, completely and utterly logical, I would say, yeah. because I mean, the blue the the logic of uh, of of the blue guide is that as soon as a product is placed on the market, it's not the manufacturer's responsibility anymore, except for recalls for things that happened in production, basically, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, so that means that if you have third parties that start to modify the devices, then uh, they should also be responsible for it. And let's say, for example, uh, again, you, you have a sophisticated piece of capital equipment in a hospital, which hospitals really like to tweak and they like to put it on wheels and they like to do all kinds of stuff with it, or they are going to have it refurbished or they are going to have it updated or they're going to have it maintained by third parties. Yeah, I mean, 
then of course it's a bit like your car. If you take it to the garage, yeah. you would really like that the, the 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 garage takes responsibility for restoring the car to its uh, type-approved specifications. Exactly. Unless you ask for a specific modification, like for example, can you do me a mod on the electronic limitations on the engine, for example? And if that happens, yeah, logically the manufacturer says, yeah, I'm not taking responsibility yeah, for it's that. Yeah, not, it's, not it's not my fault anymore if something happened exactly. there. Exact same thing with medical devices. And that's what the blue guide basically explains. So what you, and what I see in practice is that uh, third-party repair companies and also end users, uh, hospitals mainly, can be quite opportunistic in the way they deal with these things. Then, for example, they have the products uh, repaired or maintained by a third-party service provider that is not properly qualified, for example. And then, uh, yeah, and then they will just blame it on the manufacturer, for example. So that's that's not really nice. And that's reiterated in the blue guide that, uh, yeah, that you have to take responsibility for that if that's what you want to do. Exactly. Of course, what you see in the MDR is there are provisions in the MDR that deal with this as well. And also, uh, uh, because third-party service providers will, of course, say, yeah, but uh, but these stupid manufacturers never release specifications and how to, re uh, uh, how to repair these things. There's actually quite a lot of uh, additional language in the uh, uh, in the MDR and the IVDR that 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 also uh, requires manufacturers to be more specific on things like this. So that's also interesting for uh, for these third parties to look at rather than complain that manufacturers never uh, uh, never cooperate with these uh, things. Because yeah, I mean I can understand if a, if a device piece of capital equipment in a hospital fails and kills a patient, it's not the name of the repair company that's in the news. Eh? It's the name of the manufacturer. So exactly. uh, yeah, understandably, these guys are careful with this kind of stuff. And of course, they are companies, so they can be cheeky. And uh, yeah, they're, 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 it might not always be rational to refuse uh, third parties, but that's what you have competition law, for example, for if you feel that you are being kept out of a uh, downstream repair market uh, without uh, uh, good reasons, then you could then, then competition law is, uh, is an instrument that you would have. Exactly. And um, what is also important with the repair and maintenance is also one chapter that is on the blue guy, which is second hand uh, products that can be also sold. Uh, so uh, was it, is, it, is this also something new uh, to the blue guide or it's something that was already existing before? Well, there's uh, secondhand products are interesting in the sense that the, the MDR and the IVDR specifically declare that they don't apply to secondhand sales, right? That's in both of them in recital three, it says we don't apply to secondhand sales, which is interesting because it basically means that, um, that let's say I am a specialized company and I'm going to uh, buy uh, uh, decommissioned medical devices from a hospital and then subsequently uh, I'm going to sell them again, I would not be a distributor in the meaning of the, uh, of the MDR because it says I don't apply to secondhand sales. Uh, and this is and and this is where the novelty in the uh, in the blue guide comes up. The blue guide says, well, in that case, you are still a distributor in the meaning of the general product safety directive. Okay. The general product safety directive is a kind of 
catch-all piece of legislation that says if you sell products, they have to be safe. You have to have some kind of traceability. You have to be able to do some kind of recall. Uh, but it's not as sophisticated and as detailed as the MDR is. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it, it does it does mean that, for example, uh, for for secondhand products, uh, yeah, you do have to check uh, that you um, that the product that you're going to put on the secondhand market is safe. So it means that you need to do uh, at least yeah, kind of risk management uh, process on the device that you get in. So you cannot just get it from uh, from uh, from a hospital or or a care home as is and then just resell it that would be would be pretty uh yeah pretty irresponsible also because these devices actually most of the devices that are resold uh, are electronic devices that run software usually they are completely stacked to the roof with years and years of patient treatment sessions because hospitals don't always follow procedures for wiping the personal data of these devices good enough so that actually, uh, that, that's also one of the things you must do uh, because otherwise it's it's a data breach for the hospital even. So you can also help the hospital by having your own acceptance procedure where you will say, well, we will not accept uh, a device from a hospital if the hospital does not certify to us that they have taken all the personal data off, for example. So it's, it's, it's something that maybe for people, if you listen to the previous uh, podcast that we had on discontinuation, we talk about this kind of thing for medical device manufacturers, but it can also apply to hospitals to how to decommission or how to discontinue your products and then to erase all the data or archive all the data, et cetera, et cetera. So it can be, I think, something interesting also. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for for the second hand, it's fine. Uh, I had also some changes now on placing on the market, and I think we have uh, a lot of discussion on this one. There is yeah. also marked inside now some new wording like renting, leasing, etc. So what is the difference here? Yeah, I think that substantively on placing on the market, nothing really changed. I'm just... Uh scrolling upwards in my comparison uh, document uh, as well, just to make sure that I'm not overlooking uh, uh, anything. But uh, my analysis was that uh, on the substance, it is basically, uh, yeah, it's still exactly the same. It would also be weird eh, if they would actually uh, uh, change a lot all of a sudden because, uh, yeah, then you would normally need a legislative change for that. But for example, renting, uh, leasing is already uh, was already in scope of the uh, uh, of the uh, the old blue guide. Renting is basically yeah just another form of uh, yeah making a product available. So uh, the only yeah what they what they do is that that. There's just some minor tweaks in clarification, for example, that they say placing on the union can happen only once for each individual product across the EU. That was also in the in the 2016 blue guide in another place in the part about uh, exp- uh, uh, about imported and exported goods. Okay. So yeah, no, for me there was nothing new. Except, of course, that really, I mean, uh, as we say in Dutch, my wooden shoe broke because I was totally amazed that they didn't fix this language inconsistently. Yeah. 
Yeah, we yeah. talked about that also in, in the previous podcast about uh, some some languages difference or some, and you had also a podcast, um, uh, a blog on on this one. So yeah, apparently they didn't choose, they didn't listen to your to, uh, to read your blog or listen to the podcast. So otherwise, they would have maybe fixed this uh, this kind of issue. And, um, and, the, and the commission did send me an email saying you are right. If this is an inconsistency. We should probably fix it. So I don't know why this didn't happen. Yeah. So let's let's see the next version two thousand. And to a 2050, maybe uh, they will be fixing the, the next version. <laughs> um, the last one is about declaration of conformity. Um, mm -hmm. We had here also something about declaration of conformity when there is a transition between two legislation and this kind of thing. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, what they did was they put in uh, they put in a new paragraph that is called uh, transitional arrangements for the EU declaration of conformity where they basically explain how you can work with a, uh, let's say a sort of overlapping declaration of conformity that covers both the device under uh, old legislation as under new legislation. So, so that example, MDR, MDD and MDR. Um... Theoretically, you could, for example, say, let's say I have the exact same device, which is currently on the market uh, 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 as, a, as a legacy device but I also have another color of the device, for example, uh, or I have a slightly newer version of the device that, uh, that, that I'm going to um, place on the market uh, under an MDD certificate, or actually for whatever reason in my, uh, my manufacturer mind, I'm going to place an identical device on the market as a legacy device because I already have them in stock. They are labeled a certain way, whatever. And I am also starting my production on uh, MDR devices, which of course may have some label changes, right? So, um, so then uh, section 211 says you could write a declaration that covers both, uh, which, which is interesting because it is guidance, but not law. Yeah. So we still don't know how this would actually work out under the MDR or the IVDR. But this is what I found a really interesting thing of which I thought like, okay, I don't really know what they want with this and how it would play out in a weird situation like uh, legacy devices uh, uh, and regulation devices under the MDR and the IVDR. But this is something that people could definitely look into and see if this is something that could work for them. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, the way I look at it is it's, it's theoretically it could work, except that there's no legal basis for it in the MDR or the IVDR. So, exactly. so, so uh, if, if, if we execute that in our declaration of conformity, do you think notified bodies will have something to say about it? Yeah, of course, because they've never seen that before. So, uh, <laughs> you will so don't sure, do it. <laughs> or you will get some interesting actions. If you want a nice discussion with your notified body, I think uh, you should definitely do something like this. Okay. <laughs> if you want to have smooth sailing, then I would just say separate the hell out of those two uh, declarations of conformity as much as you can. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think message reserved. I don't want any problem with notified bodies. So let's go on our old route, which was great. And then we are, we are fine there. Um, great. Um, so um, in terms of uh, things, so as I've said, you have a blog post now uh, where you talk about those elements. Uh, I think it's on chapter two of, of the, of this. So, um, is there anything else there that maybe we didn't talk about? 
Uh, yeah, I also wrote an introductory post, which was basically my first impression on the Blue Guide. That was before this one. So I've done two now on the new Blue Guide. One was the general impression, which also contains a table with a general overview of what is new in each chapter. Yeah. And then I started to go down uh, the list of chapters. So I also wrote uh, one on chapter two, which is basically what we discussed uh, at uh, in this uh, in this podcast. And now I'm writing another article on uh, chapter three, which is about economic operators. Uh, so then I'm going to look uh, into more detail what changes for specific economic operators and also, of course, which new economic operators have been invented in the new Blue Guide because they invent one new economic operator, except that this is not relevant for the MDR and the IVDR being the the uh, economic operator mentioned in Article 4 of the Market Surveillance Regulation, very relevant for a lot of other product categories, so like for general electronics. Okay. Irrelevant for medical devices and IVDs because these are not explicitly included in the list in Article 4, Section 5 of the Market Surveillance Regulation that determines to which products this applies. So this is another example of if you would read the blue guide just like that, you would be like, oh no, I need a, I need an economic operator in the meaning of Article 4 of the Market Surveillance Regulation. And if you read the Market Surveillance Regulation and look at the MDR and the IVDR, it's not necessary. So never look at the blue guide in isolation. Yeah, yeah. Never it in just one language. Yeah, start with the, the legislation first, and if you need more precision, go to the go to the blue guide. So I will put uh, the 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 links to the blog posts on on the show notes. Uh, don't hesitate to um, to uh, go and uh, also um, subscribe to the uh, to Eric Vorbrek's um, uh, page newsletter because I think yeah, each time there is a there is a new thing. Also, Eric is making a. He's making a lot of, uh, I mean, you are, you are really, I think I'm having a lot of fun writing all those things because I see all the small videos that you are making or pictures or thing. And it's, uh, it's really yeah. refreshing to, to have that. So, uh, so don't hesitate, go and uh, subscribe to the, the blog of, of Eric. And Eric, you have your book release edition two that will be released. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's soon, it's a teaser. So, um, when, what, so when will we, will this happen? Yeah, so uh, this week actually the designer completed uh, the work on uh, on the book. So now the book is yeah, basically finished, and uh, it's now uh, at the proofreaders. So uh, there is a group of people that have uh, very generously agreed to uh, spend some time uh, looking at whether Eric made any really stupid mistakes. And uh, yeah, so that, that will take uh, a few weeks. And after that, I will take uh, some time to process any comments that come out of it. So I expect the book to be available by the end of September, more or less. So if you're still thinking about buying one, don't buy one at the moment. Uh, wait for a month or so, and then you can buy the, uh, the, the second edition. And the second edition, I think, is really worth buying because the first edition was accurate until beginning of April last year. Well, a lot has happened since. And also, I've added about 240 additional pages of substantive comments. So the uh, so it's now a book of almost 1,400 pages. The old one was 1,150 and a bit. Um, 
And all the additional text is basically commentary because the, 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 the law didn't become any longer. But uh, what Eric has to say about it uh, was uh, that did expand a bit. Yeah. No, and also the, the IVDR part has been has really been uh, uh, expanded a lot. So for the IVD people, it's also definitely interesting. Uh, exactly. exactly. As I said, it would be the Bible, if I can say, for, for, the, for the regulators. So don't hesitate. Wait until September and then... You can get this second edition and uh, I will put the link uh, as I mean, uh, anyway, I will share the link as soon as it will be available uh, so that people can uh, can get that. And if you want to follow uh, Eric, so you can also go to LinkedIn and uh, you can uh, uh, follow him directly uh, because he's posting. I think you are posting a lot of information also, also information that other people are are, are writing and, and, and releasing. So I'm sure um, there will be a lot of interesting information that people can get by following you also. Yeah, um, also answer a lot of questions on Fora. So, uh, yeah. I'm exactly, exactly. Uh, great. So, Eric, thank you very much. Uh, I think it was uh, really helpful for the Blue Guide. Uh, I'm sure there will be a lot of other topics that uh, we will discuss in the uh, next podcast. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope that people now understand what is the changes on the new Blue Guide, on the Blue Guide, and follow you also on your blog for any of the uh, new chapters that you will analyze and provide them uh, information. But don't hesitate to go on the show notes uh, to get all the information, all the details about that. So, Eric, thank you very much, and I wish you a nice day. You too. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.